Aldo, it's old new borrowed who the meandering biography podcast, hosted usually by two adopted Joshes. Um, so yeah, welcome to episode six, I believe it is now. God, six. six. What an enjoyable number that is, because it sounds similar to sex. So everyone's <laughs> favourite number. Um, unfortunately, there's only one Josh here. So if you love Josh Jones that much and hate my awful raspy voice, raspy voice. It's a good start. And my inability to pronounce simple words, then you probably need to switch off. Um, Josh Jones isn't here because, um, unfortunately, he's dead. He's being an adult. Yeah, he's moving house, so apparently that's <laughs> too much to to do. Um, and do a podcast at the same time, because watching films, really difficult. Lazy is what I said it is. I said it's lazy, he said, I've got to be an adult. And then, yeah, this is where we are. But as you can hear, there's probably another voice with me that you've overheard, unless you think I'm that good at impersonating Welsh ladies. Um, <laughs> and normally on Wednesday evenings, I do. So, Karis is here. Um, but Hi! Just to introduce, so um, I'm Josh Hooten. I am the host with Seven Toes. And with me today... Um, I'm Karis. I'm Welsh. And I don't usually do this, so I'm a little nervous. Yep, and she's also not got into the normal riff we have at the beginning, but it's all good. Have I ruined it already? It's all right. Okay. <laughs> You're pretty, but no one can see that on a podcast, so that's useless they in this world. <laughs> yes. Oh, well. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Josh isn't here, but Karis is here. Um, Karis has sort of taken over our social media. She's going to start doing a bit more presence on there, because mm. I can't be trusted with it. Um, Josh I'm, can't be trusted with it and she lives on it so it makes sense to pass the reins across I'm, I'm addicted to Twitter anyway so it makes sense to make, do something useful with it you say useful it's, it's promoting our podcast so it's <laughs> only so so useful you know um, we also have a slightly different setup today so there might be a bit more background noise than you're used to um, so we do apologise but that's yeah. the way it is, I'm afraid. So, um, as we said last... Well, if you saw us on Facebook, we've said we're cutting out the news segment now because people have come back and said, we want to be a bit quicker. We don't we don't have two and a half hours to listen to you every week. Um, which I get. So we're going to cut out news and we're going to see how much that reduces it down. Obviously, we might do a bit more discussion about news topics on our social medias. Um, so you can follow us on at onbwpod and you can sort of see what yeah. Keris is going to be getting up to on there. Yeah, in that note, feel free to tweet me at any point with any options or opinions about whether you want the news back or if you're happy with it being long gone. I'm happy to take opinions. I mean, we all know how news is. It's normally miserable, sadness... Gluttony. I I think you guys put a relatively happy spin on the news. Yeah, we don't talk about politics, so that's a plus. But yeah, (laughs) so, um, right, the real question is, who are we doing this week? I mean, I've managed to get out of doing a report again, so this is great for me, but it's fallen to Keris. And we left some clues last week. Do you remember any of the clues that were dropped last week? If I'm honest, no, but... I've got to be honest, you've done a lot of preparation. (laughs) Flying. a lot of preparation. <laughs> I just can't remember what the claims. Um, I think we dropped. Um, bank. Uh, I think Joshua banking on it. We're banking on it because yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I think we also dropped in Man on a Ledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pitch Perfect was also there. Um, I think he tried to get Hunger Games in, but it was I'm a not trinket. Sure. So it's something to do with trinket, wasn't it? 
Maybe. Is this the last name of the character she plays? I'm sure he said something about. Wouldn't Julia. surprise me. It's cleverer than something I would normally do. I'm the sort of person who tries to get Magneto into a bloody clue and it fails. <laughs> but yeah, so with those clues, who are we um, reviewing this week, um, Karis? We are looking at Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks. I mean, that household name that everyone knows, but probably doesn't, but recognises her. Yeah, yeah. She's got the face that you recognise and everything. She, she is ind- indeed. So yeah. We're going on to the sort of the who's are they? Um, so maybe we'll be putting a jingle in. We don't know. We don't know how it's going to work today. <laughs> so maybe jingle. If not, um, who's that'll do? There we go. <laughs> so beautiful. Uh, I know it's delightful. But yeah, I'll pass it across to you to take the lead. Okay, Karis. So um, Elizabeth Banks, as we said, wasn't massively a household name until probably quite recently. Um, but we'll start from the beginning. So originally, I mean, I know, I, I feel like I knew her quite. Regularly. I think she was that girl that was in a lot of things. I thought, I think really she was like a bit later version of like Amy Smart. That's sort of how I always I remembered feel her like being. she. I, that's really interesting because I thought about this the other day, and I thought I think Elizabeth Banks is what Amy Smart was supposed to be in that. Elizabeth Banks is a lot bigger than Amy Smart now, I would argue. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but she's not in anything, really. Yeah, she? and I, I think that's the way that Amy Smart was supposed to go. And she was for some the, reason she didn't. Yeah, they were both that sort of it girl that was in those things. She was like the, the, yeah. the sexual object in a lot of things. She wasn't really much more than eye candy with a bit of like damsel yeah, distress. I, and I feel like the difference is Elizabeth Banks went a kind of different way to it. She started doing like a mix of serious and comedy stuff, whereas I felt like Amy Smart kind of went almost too serious towards. Oh, I mean, points. yeah, because Crank was, I don't know, that was hard-hitting drama. <laughs> okay, maybe not specifically Crank. I mean, yeah, I mean getting, having, getting the sex from Jason Statham in front of horses and people cheering, I mean, hard-hitting. That is, hitting. of course, the scene that you would remember from it Crank. Was, it was, it made me, because th- I love sea biscuits, so just the two of them mixed together. But yeah, I'll pass it back to you to sort of give us the um, overview. Well, when was the first time you saw Elizabeth Banks? Cause I, I, Scrubs. Scrubs, yeah, Scrubs. I, I, I thought it was Scrubs too. Um, but yeah, we'll start from the beginning anyway. Um, she was born in uh, Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Is that how you say it? Massachusetts? Massachusetts, yeah. In um, February That's exactly how you say that word you've got written down. <laughs> but I, it's, I, I always wonder whether or not I'm saying it right. It's a, it's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, it's like you saying Arkansas. I don't understand why it's not Arkansas. It is Arkansas. Well, no, I, I meant the other <laughs> way around. Jesus. Um, I don't understand why it's Arkansas. Why it's not Arkansas. It's spelt Arkansas. Yes, but we're not in Arkansas. We're in Massachusetts Massachusetts. in 1974. Um, She was originally named Elizabeth Marisol Mitchell. um, And she changed her name. We'll go back to that in a bit. Mm. Um, She's the eldest of four children from Mark P. Mitchell, who was a Vietnam War veteran, uh, working for a General Electric factory, and Anne Mitchell, who worked in a bank. No idea if that is influence on her second name change. I, I assume by General Electric factory you mean he worked for the company General, general Electric. Electric. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, wasn't, yeah, just yeah. A, it wasn't just a General Electric he, factory. He was in a massive hamster wheel <laughs> running, just generating <laughs> electricity. Uh, no, no, okay. he, he worked for General Electric. Um, her house is mixed religious. She's been quoted before as uh, saying that she was Catholic, West Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, and Irish. Um, and she said to the New York Times last year, "I grew up very. Po- I said I grew up poor once." Uh, and now my parents are upset with me. So I grew up middle class, very hardworking parents who did a great job providing Fort rest. So she's openly stated she had a really nice little childhood. So what she's saying is she was actually working class. So it wasn't like they could go... She probably went by poor. It's the same way people were, yeah, I didn't have a huge amount of money. It's like you... But, but you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You probably, they probably still went on like holiday, but it was probably like... It's just it was, like, a normal childhood. Yeah. She didn't come from anything 
crazy wealthy or any kind of prestigious background. Um, her father was really influential on her interest in sports and outdoors. She did a lot of baseball and horse riding predominantly. Um, and ah, she said, she's uh, very much like Amy Smart then. Yeah, <laughs> the similarities. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she said basically it, it provided her with some preparation for acting from the first place because sports kind of made sure that she grew up believing that not everybody gets a trophy. Her mm-hmm. father made it really clear to her that it's okay to lose and well, that, yeah. that helped her out a lot through an audition process. I mean, that's that's very different to, I mean, if she'd been born 20 years later because then everyone would have a trophy for just being there. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. And not crying so bad when they lost. Yeah. That's my favourite trophies. <laughs> but anyway, the only reason that that is relevant is because when she was in Little League, um, the whole reason she got into acting in the first place was because she broke her leg while sliding into third base on a, in a baseball match. And at that point she turned to theatre because she couldn't do sport anymore, really. Um, and she enjoyed the camaraderie and the teamwork that came with theatre and her high school productions and what led to want to go and do acting ha- in the first place. How old was she when that happened? Um, I don't remember, What did you say? What grades did that happen? Because you said a grade, I'm sure. Um, I don't think I did say a grade. I, oh. She was just in Little League in high school. Okay. L- Little League? Is middle school element? Little League school? Little League is like... Li- it was high school productions that got her to it, but Little League is like when she's properly like a kid, right? Yeah, that's normally what it is. And yeah, It's strange yeah. though, you break your leg and they go, right, no sport for you, but you can now run around and dance on stage. I mean, maybe it was just like a spur of the moment thing yeah. when she was recovering and she just kind of went along with it. That's maybe, what I got from it Maybe anyway. she misinterpreted when they said, you've got a cast. She thought, oh. Oh, yeah, I have got a cast. Yes. And then started <laughs> acting. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Tenuous link, but okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, she graduated from Pittsburgh High School then in 1992 and is a member of the Massachusetts Junior Classical League. So she's she's pretty intelligent she's really intelligent um she went on to get a ba in communications with a minor in theater from the university of pennsylvania in 1996 the amount of people i know have that as their sort well, of minor like, theater it was like they're all communications is involved in it it's almost like we're doing yeah. it but we need something as a backup to if theater doesn't work what out what do you do as a degree in communications because it sounds kind it sounds interesting i have no idea okay i mean i to be honest i should have been able to talk to these people about it because you'd have thought they're pretty good at communicating, so they would have been able to explain what it was. But I, I failed, so I, it was my fault. I didn't go over that first hurdle. Oh, God. Uh, interestingly, anyway, besides that, um, when she got to college, on the first day she started in University of Pennsylvania, she met her husband, who is now a producing partner. Um, so that's... Oh, nepotism if I ever heard it. <laughs> um, she went on then to receive an MFA degree um, after she completed schooling at the American Conservatory Theatre in 1998. Um, and she says a BA and her MFA taught her a lot of, of lessons that would help her later in her career. Um, her main interest in acting, and she said this to Penn University in an interview, is storytelling. Um, and she kind of nurtured that in her undergraduate saying... She found a real interest in Shakespearean texts and that uh, provided more of a foundation for wanting to pursue films that tell a story. And this made me sad. So see what you think about this. Before we jump into that, it it makes sense that she wants to pursue pursue that. (laughs) Put my teeth back in. (laughs) Um, The the thing that makes it interesting about that is obviously she wants to do storytelling, so she's doing acting, but obviously directing and writing is a big thing of what she wants to do. And she's starting to get into that because I think her first major directing film's coming out 
this year or next year? Well, she she directed Pitch Perfect too, so she's yeah. already had a pretty big directorial debut. But I it's mean, not, it's not a serious. Wasn't serious wasn't her debut thing. actually in a movie forty three? Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but if we're talking like major, but yeah, she's obviously got Charlie's Angels coming out, which she's yeah. Yeah. producing, directing, mm-hmm. and so it's good to see that she's actually getting yeah. to tell these stories. I mean, in fairness, just to clarify, that's not what makes me sad. I think that's No, really no, I was, I was just... Um, what makes me sad is that she's actually... Quote, this is a quote from her, and she said, It's fascinating how many actors I meet who are not familiar with the classics, who are not familiar with basic storytelling, who can't tell the difference between a comedy and a drama, who don't know, for example, that A Midsummer Night's Dream is a comedy. Who doesn't know that that's a comedy? I mean, uh, just to clarify to everyone listening, um, I know Josh has brought up that I trained to be an English teacher. Um, oh. Karis is an English teacher still, because she hasn't seen the light and realised <laughs> there's other things out there where they don't involve as many children. Um, so, of course, you're going to go, well, how do you not understand that? I mean, it's, I think we're in a different, we're in a slightly removed situation where we go... Oh yeah, we completely understand the subtext. We get where this is coming from. But yeah, I, feel I, I like... know. But I feel like when you go into acting as a profession, like Shakespeare is kind of like without, you know, you, you kind of start. You, you, everybody does Shakespeare in in schools, in high schools, in comprehensive schools. Everybody does it, and it's it's like I don't understand how you wouldn't. I don't understand in what concept you wouldn't know it. But I mean, you know, maybe that is... in my two years of American high school when mm-hmm. I was out there. I only came across Shakespeare once in those two years. Really? And I was doing the A-level equivalent classes. Oh, wow. Okay, because so, obviously I've done, I'm doing Shakespeare in year eight now. For those of you who are listening from America, that's like 13 years old, 12 or 13? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, maybe just 13. Yeah, so that would be still like middle school. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure they do touch on Shakespeare at other points. I'm just yeah. saying it's not seen, it's not used as much as it is sort of in the UK because yeah. obviously you look back at, at, over there it's more like looking at the American writers and stuff obviously there's there isn't that's quite a generalisation but you, yeah. you do focus on the areas I mean you look at Wales they're trying to focus more on Welsh writers you go to Ireland they're trying to focus more on Irish writers because you're looking more at your heritage obviously yeah. you should be touching on Shakespeare and... I just think as an actor yeah but then look at Joey Tribbiani I don't feel like I don't feel like Joey Tribbiani but the, the, the smell the fart acting yeah smell the fart acting <laughs> Don't need to know the classics as long as you can look like you smell the fart or start doing like really complicated maths in your head. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go but on. yeah, no, the only reason um, I brought it up is obviously she's she's very intelligent. She's very intelligent. There's lots of people who have met her, including the director of the ACT from when she was in there, saying she's a smart cookie. It's no surprise that she's building herself a career as a producer and uh, like a bona fide actor. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, she, she's got a... Real head she's got head on her shoulders, yeah. Um, and basically, since the start of her acting career, she's been in around eighty nine projects now. Um, so you say around eighty nine. That's like a bit of an overview of her, anyway. But you say that's... around eighty nine, but on IMDb it specifically says eighty nine. <laughs> Does it? I thought like I I just said around because I figured she's got stuff in the works at the moment. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's all got then... stuff maybe that hasn't been. Yeah, because they list but... everything, so that's yeah, including the non credited stuff. Yeah, normally they put non-credited on. Well, there. there we are then. <laughs> they've also got her, um, I think one of the most recent ones, they've got her as being in a music video as Girl. Yeah, she yeah. was in a, she was in that awful Maroon 5 song. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, obviously, as I said before, my first experience with her was in Scrubs, which was in 2006. Yeah. And i got to be honest, I loved her in Scrubs. I thought, I thought she, she was, was great. Really nice part. I mean, that sort of the role that I've always associated with her and when I've seen her on screen she normally has a very similar role to that part which Mm -hmm. is the 
feyish sort of girl who's a bit smart going on, a little kooky, but that sort of it girl. That yeah. Like, oh yeah, everyone wants. I think she's got like a really nice little niche of being. She she comes across that she brings a lot of humanity to everything that she does, but she's mm. really funny. Yes, she is. Comedic timing is brilliant, and I think that's what I liked about her in Scrubs. Um, but she's been acting in projects as far back as 1998, just shortly after she graduated. Um, when she graduated, that's when she changed her name because there was already a person in the Screen Actors Guild under yeah. um, Elizabeth Mitchell. Um, but she did have roles in Surrender Dorothy, which is her first film, which I will talk a little bit about because it's interesting. Um, but she was Elizabeth Casey. Yeah, I, um, did, I did see that when I was scrolling through. And then when she was in Shaft in 2000, she actually did use her entire birth name and she was credited as Elizabeth Marcel Mitchell. She's done that twice, I think. Yeah. She's done that twice with that, but mm-hmm. then she obviously, as you said, got turned to Banks. Yeah. Um, but her if, if first movie is an interesting one because it's not. It's just not a role that I would have associated with her now, if okay. you get me. So who... Is Talking Dog? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> Can I have another guess? Yeah. Um, she's a life-size puppet, and <laughs> she has a heroin dependency. Yes. Oh, actually, pretty close. I don't know about life-size puffin, okay. but um, essentially, that's said, kind of it. So, did you say life-size puffin? But puffin. <laughs> did I say puffin? I thought you said puffin. I mean, all puffins <laughs> are life-size, but... No, I'm, I'm sure I said puppet. Uh, maybe. I Any, to anyway, um, yeah, it's it's called Surrender Dorothy. It was uh, directed by Kevin DeNovis. And um, essentially, yeah, it's a tagline. is It's a dark comedy about gender manipulation and essentially centres around heroin addiction and sexual obsession, which I don't associate with Elizabeth Banks now. Did, did this Kevin guy do it from personal story? Well, I only no. asked because Kevin do know this. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you didn't. I well, I did. Oh, yes. It's awful. Awful. God, this yes and movement's not working. You're just telling me no. <laughs> where's your Where's your improv? I'm sorry, it was terrible. Um, no, it had really mixed reviews. Though okay. really mixed reviews. Essentially, it won first place at the Slamdance Film Festival in 1998, but. Um, like the stranger said, it made the best out of its tiny budget, was but was ultimately immature and, artic- and inarticulate, um, and. Essentially what happened was the lead was cast in it and then got a job in what was considered to be a serious role and decided literally about two days before they were going to shoot that he wasn't going to do the movie anymore. So the director, who also wrote it, went, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'm going to star in it. And a lot of people thought it was quite self-indulgent. He, he totally was owed it. Yeah, he essentially. Totally was Banks didn't think this was a good introduction to the film industry at all like she's panned it and here quote like the director was really mad about it but she talked to slate.com and said really early on i did this one film um and she even said i think it's called surrender dorothy but i'm not even sure anymore and i just remember i'd met the guy who was going to be the lead obviously he drops out do you know who was going to be the lead no it doesn't say it never says um but then there was no one else to do the parts and the director did it and she she went and I thought I'd better go to drama school and learn how to never have a job like this again <laughs> and he was really annoyed and basically said that she was unappreciative and she was degrading the entire genre of indie film with her comments so they had a bit of an argument about it well I mean that's the thing I mean you said one 
What did it win at the Sundance Award? Was it the audience? It won award? first. It just said it won first place in the Sundance Award. Oh, in the Slam Dance Award. Oh, not the Slam Sundance. That's wasn't. very different. Yeah, it wasn't the Sundance. Because uh, I thought that too, but they're not. They're very different things. I thought you said Sundance. That's why. I yeah. Slam Dance, I thought, was um, like a sequel to Step Up. <laughs> It's the one face place at a hip hop competition. Three slam dance, and there's her just on heroin in the background. Oh, I don't. I, th- I don't think she is on heroin in the film. Oh, uh, just just the life just the life size puppet. Again, I don't. I can't confirm that she's a puppet. Oh, damn, we should have watched it. <laughs> we should have. It sounds weird. Um, but yeah, he was really annoyed at it. Well, really I'm not surprised. Annoyed. I mean, you put work into it, you can get frustrated because you've got. Put your heart and soul on and you think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. People just need to realise it's not the case. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, she, I, that, I only thought that was interesting because it was her first one and she was Elizabeth Casey, um, which I thought was a little random. Why did she choose Why Casey? Casey? I, that's why I just asked you yeah. if you did the report. Well, I tried to find the answer. Nobody's got anything. She, I think she just decided that's what she was going to be for a while. Okay. Um, but anyway, her de- debut was Elizabeth Banks came when she starred as Lindsay in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, I... S- you haven't seen Wet Hot. I haven't. Um, I haven't I've it. watched that. I actually, fair enough. They obviously they've got um, two series afterwards. One's like ten years later, and one's first day of camp. I think it is. Yeah. They came out on Netflix. Netflix, I think, funded for it. Mm-hmm. And she's at least in uh, ten years later because at one point during the the film they go, let's meet up in ten years. What time should it be? Uh, nine, and then we we say nine. And we'll get there for nine thirty. Oh, we'll be in our late twenties by then. We should be able to keep to a schedule. Yeah, nine thirty it is, and that yeah. that is almost verbatim the dialogue. It's <laughs> really, it's really interesting. It's meant to be about just summer camp. Um, it's following really the adults there, and it's basically all these summer camp tropes thrown in there. Mm. It's like the guy who's a, who thinks he's a jock, but he's actually a virgin, wants to be with a girl. Yeah. There's the, uh, su- the weird nerdy kids who have to save the summer camp from someone. Yeah. There's um, the guy. Cheerleaders, by any chance? No, you don't really have cheerleaders at summer camp. Do you not? I thought that was just like an American no, trip. they did the whole thing with they even acknowledge it quite clearly at one point where um, they go You're, we've got a ragtag group of you together to play softball this year we didn't think you'd make it but you clawed your way to the top blah, 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 and, and, and we go but now we have to fight with Camp Tiger Claw to go the, win oh, the yeah, thing yeah, and yeah. the boys literally go this seems a bit contrite yes I think this has been good <laughs> and he goes oh no he walks off to the bus anyway um, she's not really in it that much she's sort of like the hot girl that Paul Rudd wants to get with even though yeah. it's, like, it's really weird it's got like Paul Rudd it's got her in there it's got um, the <laughs> the guy who runs the comic book store and Big Bang Theories in it oh wow um, they've got I don't know um, why I said oh wow like Christ- Christopher Maloney's in it yeah um, there's loads of, Michael Ian Black's in it they've got loads of loads wow. of okay. actors but it's like them all starting off and doing it. It's it's yeah. a it's a bit of fun. It's not a great I mean, you've got a cult following with it. I it thought sounds, it was it sounds very similar to a lot of the kind of roles that she was getting at the time because yeah. like after that she she went on to do things like the 40 year old virgin where she had that little part as one of the girls that was really drunk at the hen party in the club it's, it's, and... the, it's the introduction to films isn't it That's yeah it. You take it cause she it's... had really small roles because she had things like she had a little role in catch me if you can she had yeah. that, that she was um she's also in in Spider-Man. Spider-Man. yeah um so she had all these little like big films but little roles in big films she's, where it's like flashes yeah. of her now she's again. like with flash and those guys i think yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. She's like one of the, the gang there. Yeah. Um, I, 
barely remember. Is she one of the nurses in Catch Me If You Can? Yes. Yeah, because I, I mean, I love that film. I haven't, yeah. seen it, I haven't seen it in years, but I love that film and it's really nice. Yeah, so that, those little supporting roles anyway led us to the first film that we're going to talk about, oh. which was her first proper really lead role in a big film, which was the 2006 film Slither. Yeah, um, you. we watched this uh, this week... Um, you hadn't seen it before, had you? Never. Um, never. I, I had seen. I'd never most even of it. heard about it before. I always get in my head. I always get confused with the film Splice. They're completely different. See, films. when you first said split a sliver, a sliver, but I thought you meant Splice, and I Adrian watched Brody. that literally like twelve years ago now. I think you say that, but this was about the same time because this is two thousand and six. That's thirteen years ago. I don't do maths. Time, time, <laughs> as we said, time's linear. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I always get confused in my head and I can remember. But it's an interesting one. I, I thought this was a good one to watch anyway this week because obviously it's her in a lead in a horror film, not to give too much away about which film we're reviewing, but if you know Elizabeth Banks, you know which film we're going to be yeah. looking at. And James Gunn's the writer and director of this. This is the first film that James Gunn wrote, writes and directs as well. Mm-hmm. He's he'd written quite a few films before this. He'd yeah. written like, the Scooby-Doo films before this. Yeah. Did he uh, write the Scooby-Doo he wrote, films? Yeah, he wrote the first two, the live-action ones. I love the um, films. And then he went on and wrote, directed this, um, and then I think it was followed up with Super, and then he got Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's now on a big row. But basically, this film, what did you think of it? I mean, I... I don't know what I thought of it. I It left me thoroughly confused. Um, but... Do you know what? I thought it was fun. I think it did what it set out to do, which was it was a, a co- co- comedy horror. A co- 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 comedy I mean, horror. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if there were lots of cocks in this film. Like, <laughs> like rolling around the ground, jumping um, into people's mouths and stuff. But I've got to be honest, I thought, like, it was one of... I, I'm not usually squeamish or anything like that but it was one of those films where I almost felt like it was almost too gratuitous it's it's very it's a, it's a, Cron, it's, it's a love letter to Cronenberg and yeah. things like that that's what it is it's, it's that sort of body um, not body horror it's sort of the more thing so body horror is slightly yeah. different isn't it but it's that sort of creature like, horror which is distorted humanity and that yeah, sort of thing yeah I mean to give you an idea like for the like obviously people don't know me like they know Josh on this podcast um, pizza bet. pizza is my favourite food I love pizza usually nothing puts me off eating pizza um, but there are scenes in that film where I, I literally have to be like we have to watch something else while I'm eating my food yeah. like, so um, Slither is essentially um, it's, it's meant to be like a, a low budget horror B movie it's like an homage to that yeah. as well so literally a meteorite falls out the sky um, and this alien is basically present it latches on to uh, Michael Michael Rooker's character. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nathan Fillion is in this film, Michael Rooker's in this film, Elizabeth Banks is in this film. It's lots of young stars just like, mm. kind of, I think just came out, Nathan Fillion had already done Firefly at this point, yes. hadn't he? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, he yeah. was already that yeah. sort of... And he, he already had his kind of like, his Nathan Fillion-isms that you could yeah. see in this film as well. It's just I think it's just before he gets cast in Castle, mm-hmm. so just before then. But you got the... the those three are sort of the main characters, and there's another girl in there who I can't remember her name. It's Tanya something. She's yeah. barely been. That's like her only film she's been in. I think mm-hmm. she was in. Um, she was in an episode of um, Supernatural. You know the Scarecrow episode. Yes, she's yeah, one yeah, of the girls yeah. I that. thought I recognised her, but I didn't know where from. That's why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh-huh. so basically, Aliens fall. They latch onto. Um, Michael Russell's character, who's called Grant Grant, which is, again, a brilliant name. His first name's Grant, his last name's Grant. And it's essentially him turning into this alien 
and infecting other people. But it's, like we said, it's got a lot of like horrors. Parts of people getting split in half. There's him feeding that woman. So oh. she's literally the size of a barn. And she's just eating like dead animals and stuff. And then she literally splits open and all these little slithery... There's lots of like oh. intestines falling oh. on the floor. Just worked out why it's called slither because the thing's slither. Are <laughs> you just no, getting that out? No. Um, <laughs> but it's got like these slithery penises. They call like big slugs. No one's got names. They're slugs. They're slugs. They're definitely. Not, they're, they're, gonna, they're literally going to have images of actual they, penises. They're, right. they're slugs. They're long pink things that sort of pulsate and then jump in people's mouths. They're pink slugs. They jump in people's mouths and then turn them into like. If you zombies. took those slugs as phallic, that is a reflection on you, not the film. Or the films I watch. That's. <laughs> but yeah, and basically they infect the town and it's them trying to get to the end of it. Um, yeah. And then there's also a, there's a boss battle at the end where she fights him where it turns almost into the boss battle from Resident Evil 7. Yes. Where you're fighting yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jack. Um, with, where you have to literally use fire to kill him. Yeah. Um, and it's left open like another one could happen because um, obviously there's a post-credit there's scene. There's a post-credit scene where, where the cat comes across um, basically the part of the monster that can infect people essentially it's a little and spike thing that jumps into you and then burrows into your chest yeah it's, it's, it is, it's gross it's a gross film I mean I enjoyed it I thought it, I thought it was good fun I didn't think it was anything special it's one of those films that you expect it's B-movie horror yeah. but done done tongue in cheek it's comedy as well yeah. there's bits yeah. in it you're laughing because you're meant to be laughing yeah. it's not just oh let's try and scare these people and I, I think that's all it was ever set out to be was a bit of fun and they definitely achieved that mm. um, but I, I I don't know. I, I don't know what about it freaked me out so much. But Elizabeth Banks in this film, mm. I thought she was good. She played the she played like she had an accent in this one. She had like the Southern Belle. Yeah, she, like, she did it really well. It's it was nice. Accent. She had the rollers in and all that sort of thing. She was, but, and then turns into a bit more of a kick-ass because she literally like stabs someone in the neck with a pole and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Plans to kill him with a spiky mirror. There's a nice. There is no, a it wasn't nice... a mirror. Was it? it was a it was a hairbrush that she took yeah, like, a brush out yeah. of that looked like a spiky mirror. I just thought it was a nice like little tune of character because she's so like sweet and innocent and fey at the beginning and then at the end mm. she's kind of ready to take on whatever yeah she does really. I thought it was it was a good move by her the problem was as well I think I, I, I honestly I think she was like potentially the best character in it I wanted more of uh, Michael I'm, I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong now is it Michael Rutter Rooker um, put, I thought it was Rooker but you he's um for anyone who doesn't know, he's the guy in The Walking Dead. It's Michael Rooker, and uh. he's also in um, Guys of the Galaxy. Yeah. He's, he's sort of James Gunn's bestie mate, because he's in all of James Gunn's films. Obviously, yeah. he's in um, yeah, Guys of the Galaxy. He's the mm-hmm. blue dude with the... With, with the... <laughs> Look, Josh is, Josh is the, the comic... descriptions. Josh is the comic book guy. I'm not the comic book guy. I mean, that you, was... Yeah. You really took me there. Yandu? Is that his name? Yandu. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'll be impressed if I've guessed that right. Um, Yandu. Yandu sounds something similar to what it should be. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is it Yandu? Did you get it? Yeah. Yondu. Yondu. You were one Yondu, that out. I'll give you right. that. Anyway, but yeah, I thought it was good. I, I enjoyed it. If you want something easy and horror but also a bit of a laugh if you, if you literally just want a horror film that you don't have to like really commit to or you want a horror film but you don't want to be genuinely scared out of your pants then but if it's you'd, good but if you'd rather, rather watch Adrian Brody have sex with an alien then watch then watch Splice Splice yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, anyway, um, 2006 was kind of the start of Elizabeth Banks getting more noticeable roles like that. Um, she had a bit of a bigger role. Um, she uh, managed to see Tobey Maguire's uh, emo renaissance in Spider-Man 3. Um, yeah, that's what she was in the other ones, wasn't she? Like Betty Brandt or something? She was like? Betty Brandt, yeah. She had Double a bigger, bigger role there. Um, she Obviously, this is when she starred as J.D.'s love interest in Scrubs. And she was highly billed in 2007's Meet Bill, which if you haven't seen it, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen Meet Bill. It's okay. It's all right. It was absolutely panned by critics. Was it, was it the, the prequel to Kill Bill? No. It wasn't like, oh, no. her, here's Bill. Is Rachel that... Vice is in it. You'd like that. Yeah, she does quite a bit with Rachel Weisz then, doesn't she? Yeah, Well, yeah, two films. Um, however, like, 2006 was the start of her smaller roles, but 2008 was a huge year for Banks. Um, this was when she played Laura Bush in W, and that was seen as kind of a more of a foray into yeah, serious role for her. She's very good in that, actually. Mm. Oh, yeah, everybody said that she was amazing in it. Um, critics thought she was great. It was kind of... That was kind of the movie that made people Have you seen okay. W? I haven't. Well I haven't. worth a watch. I, I'm terrible at this podcast. I'm like, have you seen this? No. Have you seen this? No. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. She's going to handle all of our social media. <laughs> I have seen films. I just haven't happened to see the ones that we're talking about right now. That's all right. Um, but yeah, it was seen as a more of a foray into serious roles. However, um, Banks has stated that her favourite movies to make a comedies, um, which is part of the reason that her and her husband got into their own production company, which is Brownstone Productions. Um, she stated that she wants to try and perfect comedy through storytelling. So mm. in her head, she doesn't want to make comedies that are just funny for the sake of being funny. Like she wants something behind it. Um, and essentially it takes us back to that Penn University interview and she says that storytelling is a tradition that goes back to when we were living in caves we were living out the history of people and she's essentially saying that acting is just part of that mechanism which I would agree with well it is because I mean if you look at earliest one it's not due to written it's, it's due to spoken word yeah, performance spoken which word. essentially because what, nobody could read or write that's where radios and movies are coming from mm-hmm. and why it's, it's, it is beating the written word again yeah because the written word came in big because we didn't have the ability to do lots of spoken word. Think everyone was spread out, but now we have the ability to consume media at such a rate yeah. that we've taken gone back to what our easier routes are. And without this being a reflection on anybody or anything, it's easier to watch a film than it is to read a book. I like, mean, yeah, you could even watch it with a phone in your hand. Oh, listen, a, no, now. I'm saying anyone can. Don't, <laughs> everyone's a personal attack. Well, uh, this is a sore subject. <laughs> But you can, you can do it, you can put it on, you can do that, you can make yourself a drink, you can get off, mm-hmm. like, and you don't have to stop it, because you can still be paying attention. Yeah. But that also becomes sort of a le- lazier way of watching, which is a problem which I think everyone's doing now, everyone's not watching in the way they should it's do. It's definitely harder to pay attention to anything these days, I would find, just because of, as you said, the rate that media comes out. It'd be easier if you just didn't have hands. It... <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to go down the route where it would be easier if you didn't have phones, but didn't have hands also. I mean, you can't use a phone if you don't have hands. I could use the nub of my elbow to scroll through Twitter. Why would you you not use the nub of where your hand was? I mean, I I don't know. Elbow's a point. Yeah, just do it. Anyway. Do it like a chicken. um, she had another really high billing then in 2008, and this was kind of, again, the first high billing she'd had really since Slither, um, and Meet Bill, yes. Um, and this was definitely maybe... And W as well, with, um, but not high billing enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, yeah, was, she was, because she was Laura Bush. She was, I mean, the only other people you got is like, um, uh, 
Condoleezza Rice, Than- was it Thandy? Thandy Newton played Condoleezza Rice, yeah. she? and you had like Dick Cheney in there, which was yeah. Dreyfus and stuff like that. But but I would say like this this film, it was literally she was one of the big main leading yeah. ladies in this film, um, and we also watched this this week. So. Yeah, unfortunately, it's definitely maybe. So I was glad that I managed to avoid this film when we were talking about it. For the Ryan Reynolds episode, because this is yeah. one of his lead ones. And my God, it's Ryan Reynolds' shtick up to ten again. I mean, listen, I really like Ryan Reynolds, so I loved it. And I didn't want to like it, and I did. I gave it three stars on when I was yeah. watching it, because it's, it's inoffensive, it's not pushing too far. Um, Abigail Breslin, I think, makes the film. Oh, she's brilliant. She is brilliant. Um, and she's one of the only child actors I can watch and think like yeah she's really good she was she is, really yeah. good it's a bit to condense definitely maybe it's essentially how I met your mother in a very short <laughs> in a film yeah yeah definitely definitely the entire concept is pretty much the same but I don't what I didn't understand about it is obviously she's asking he starts off and really he's picking up his kid they're going through a divorce and they're teaching sex ed in class and then she wants to find out how who her, who her mother is, uh, mm-hmm. how they met. She knows who her mother is, she still sees her, but for some reason she's never heard of how she's they met. She's never heard the story. I, I don't think at this point, when they're going through the divorce, it sound, like it, it's implied basically that they've been almost like separated but living together for like a long time. So would they have ever talked about it? Would they have wanted to talk you, about you it? Imagine the, you talk about it with your kids. Your, your kids are pretty, and I feel like they'd ask before 12 and you tell the things as it's, yeah, but it's, 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 it's yeah. hard to gauge. I think it? what it was is less like how did you meet each other, because she's got sex ed and everything now. She she wants to know exactly how everything has happened. Because sex is just a rehearsal. It that well that line did definitely make me cringe a little bit. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, maybe uh, they were just rehearsing. Maybe they were just rehearsing. Yeah, um, <laughs> but essentially, it's he tells a story. It's lots of flashbacks to him going through it, him working on the Bill Clinton campaign. And meeting all these people, so... I did like the setting of it. I thought it was good. I thought it was um, interesting. Elizabeth Banks plays his college sweetheart, mm-hmm. um, who they call Emily during it, mm-hmm. um, instead of her actual name, because he changes the name so Abigail yeah. Breslin doesn't know. But it's, she plays... She's not in it that much, that's the problem, is she? Yeah, again, she's she's got a high billing, but she's kind of relegated to just another person in the story. She literally is there for the very bit beginning. She shows up a little bit in the middle to progress a story and then shows up towards the end again. And that's literally it. And she has got one of the top bits. Because, I mean, if you remember the poster, it's got um, him with his daughter on the back. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, three bars in each of the three women. Yeah. So it's her, Isla Fisher, and Rachel, Rachel Vice. Vice there. And yeah. so she has got close to top This billing. is something we could talk about on Twitter because we talked about it when we watched it. If you were Ryan Reynolds and you were going to go from <laughs> Elizabeth Banks, Isla Fisher, Rachel Vice, which one are you going to go for? I said they, 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 they're they very different people. I can make a decision. You had your decision on Rachel Vice. Rachel Vice. Um, Rachel Vice. But then I thought, Oh, childbearing years, you gotta go. Horrendous. <laughs> 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 but no, I, I, I couldn't make a decision, and it's all very different, and they're very different people, different characters in it. And I thought, you know, going back to Elizabeth Banks, obviously, her character actually, I found her portrayal of her character to be really quite touching. Um, she, she essentially plays a girl who she absolutely loves Ryan Reynolds but she he, he moves off to New York for this campaign and she's stuck in Wisconsin 
and she doesn't like New York. She doesn't want to move with him, and she's intensely paranoid. She really, loves she, she loves cheese as well, so she could never leave Wisconsin. <laughs> Absolutely loves it. Every every scene for some reason she's eating like a gouda, a whole wheel of cheese at one point. It was, and then it was quite remarkable. Then at the end you saw her, like she pulled the whole wax off a massive e dam and just like stuck it on her head. She did look very pretty, very pretty. Like a cockatoo. Anyway, <laughs> she doesn't, but essentially, yeah, she's paranoid about him going, and the roommates don't go, oh, if you go, I'll have her. Da, 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 oh, that, that made me mad. And then they go away, and when he comes up, because he's about to propose to her, she goes, don't do this, I slept with the roommate. I slept with Charlie. And yeah. they break up, and that's the end of their story, or mm-hmm. so it seems. And during this, he also meets Isla Fisher, who someone doesn't really care about politics. Um, he finds out that Rachel Weisz's character, Summer, mm-hmm. um, had had sex with um, Elizabeth Banks' character whilst they were in college together because he reads the diary that he's going to return. And it's just, it's interchanging stories with Abigail Breslin trying to guess who it is. Yeah. And then it turns out that it is Elizabeth Banks. They meet up again after all these years. But they but just don't work out. They don't work out. And it's clear throughout the whole story he actually loves Isla Fisher's character. Yeah. The only person that you see during the story he has a relationship with for any length of time, though, mm-hmm. is Rachel Weisz's character. Yeah. They look like they work really well together until she... Tanked his entire career in one yeah. of the mo- one of the coldest moves that could have oh, been. Oh yeah, and but and it was one of those things as well that I feel like I should have seen coming and I didn't. So when it happened, I was like, "Oh, that's that's harsh." That's I it took back my Rachel advice for a decision for a second, <laughs> for a second, and then I thought about whether it would be worth it. And then and then you thought about the mummy and the mummy returns and you're like, and then I was like, "I'm back, back on, I'm back, back on." <laughs> no, it's it's an all right film, um, definitely. There's not like, and I said. As I, as I said, um, I, I know you said that Elizabeth Banks did got quite a good performance. It was a standard Elizabeth Banks performance. It's, you don't see anything different, special. It's what you expect from Elizabeth Banks. She's not pushing herself out there, not getting I, the yeah, opportunity. Yeah, and I know. would agree with that. I think the only reason that I tend to favour her is because I think that she's a, a naturally quite empathetic actor. Like, she can convey emotion and convey, like, mm-hmm. tiny emotions. Not Like, it's not all big and dramatic. It's quite subtle and it's 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 nice. I just like the way she does things. Yeah, but I would give that, as I said, about a three stars. Uh, yeah, I would say it's something that you can definitely just pop on on an afternoon and yeah, just puzzle about. I would give it um, date each woman for six months sort of it's thing. No, it's middle of the road. It's no high <laughs> fidelity if we're going down X story films. No. And I was going to say, a better, I was trying to think of a better sort of rom-com when I... Not saying I can't think of a better rom-com, it's just, oh, you've got mail. It's no you've got mail or anything yeah. like that. It's not... Yeah. I was also thinking that she's very much... She could have been very much she's this generation's Meg like Ryan, Ryan, couldn't she? She yeah, could have been... Yeah, for sure. For and that's sure. What, how I felt watching this film. She could have been yeah. Meg Ryan-esque in her roles. Yeah. But anyway, so to, to move on, um, essentially, that's a good anyway. place to move on. To be like, <laughs> I keep taking the mick out of the way. I can't say anything. I, I say you other said, things. You pronounced the whole word wrong at the beginning of this podcast. I also seem to think I have a stutter when I say words beginning with F, and I've never noticed it until I've done this podcast. <laughs> but it's all right. You're going to be like hyper aware of it now. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good that we've stopped there, actually, and talked about the fact that she's not really pushing herself as an actress at this point, because mm-hmm. um, this year 
she's stuck to releasing comedies and it you kind of get a picture of what she's like as an actress as we mm-hmm. said um the new york times um very recently has called her a determined mogul and an industry force because as i said she conveys empathy and humanity but she's got really good comedic timing however at this point in 2008 critics seem to be quite frustrated that elizabeth banks was essentially being outshined by her co-stars yeah. and CNN was caught saying that she was given thankless roles. That's exactly how yeah. I would describe it. She's given roles where she's not given the opportunity to shine. She's there as a vehicle for the rest of the story. Yes, yeah. She doesn't get And else. through all the things I've read about her at this time, because I, I looked at her reviews for this, for the films that we looked at, and they're all in 2008, and all of them say the same things, in that they love Elizabeth Banks, they love the way she acts, but she's not given enough, and she's not given enough to do with anything. I, I, Part of it, and it's not—it's down to how casting is done. Mm. I feel like they tend to give those sort of meteors to those that look a little different. It sounds weird. It's, they've changed in their mindset recently. I mean, like you look at Sandra Bullock; she's getting pushed for like proper roles rather than being forced to be this sort of yeah. romper. And they've changed their mind in how casting works. More female-focused films, and that's also, mm-hmm. I suppose, an issue of of media at the time it doesn't give the opportunity for women to give those yes. big roles and, and bearing in mind as well is that I know rom-coms are, are still big now but this was at a point where in the late 90s Saturated. to the mid 2000s was like rom-com central and these roles were readily available they were they were rom common. it oh, good. <laughs> that's the worst one you tell podcast brilliant okay I'll keep trying I'll keep trying I'll go, I'll go worse it's fine um but yeah, eventually, though, in, in fairness, this is what actually spurred her on to do the production company because she'd had it in the works from 2002, but she hadn't... Her big things were like the Pitch Perfect franchise and obviously she's doing Charlie's Angels now and she said that she made that with her husband because she was a bored and frustrated actress. She just wasn't getting mm-hmm. any roles, but she couldn't turn down roles like this because, it, you know, she's got to find... She's got to support herself at that point. And I don't think she was in a position to be able to turn things down. But this brings us on to our next We've all film. been there, haven't we? Because, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I'm not in a position to turn it down. I've drunk too much, so all right. <laughs> okay. That's, that is a worrying statement to say sat next to a fiancé, but okay. <laughs> I, I, that's that's our that's our story, isn't it? Of how we got engaged. You were too drunk and just said, "All right, then." <laughs> Sorry, I quite swayed to how I met your mother, and I don't know why. It didn't sound like how I met your mother. Did it not? No, I don't know. It did. If you listen back, you'll hear the start note, and you'll go, "Okay, there it is." That's what I did. No, it wasn't. Listen, okay, right. I was. That's the problem. We went. We went. The the whole thing about her being bored and frustrated and being overshadowed uh, was really evident in CNN's review of our next film, which is Role Models, where CNN quite blandly state she tried her best. Okay, Role Models. I mean, we watched this. You've watched it. It's one of your favourite ones. I've seen it quite a few times as well. Yeah. Um, and Paul Rudd's great in it. Stifler's great in it. Mm-hmm. The kids are great in it. Mm-hmm. She's there. Yeah, yeah. She really doesn't have much... I I picked this one because I thought... No, you picked this one because you love role models. I love role models. (laughs) I do. I do love role models. I think it's hilarious. Condoleezza Rice. Marie Curie. I'm just naming role models Uh, that... You... Wow. Okay, that (laughs) threw me right off. I was like, why have we gone back to Condoleezza Rice? Just role models. (laughs) Um, but yeah, essentially that was the thing is that I think it was a coincidence. Yes, I do love it, but it does very much show that 
she was in films at this time where she didn't really have anything to do. And the issue here is she is as funny as those two guys. The thing is, yes. the role wasn't... The, the parts weren't written for her. But I'm not saying that you should make every franchise woman focus instead. I think it just needs to be a fair representation. Absolutely. Well. I don't think it's always necessary. Like, I've got to be honest, this is controversial. But, like, at the end of the day, I don't... I think the problem is we, especially now, we're doing lots of female-focused remakes, and I don't think that's what's needed. But then you got Bridesmaids, for example. It Bridesmaids really, was fab. I didn't like it. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was funny. But then again, it's also proven that it sounds weird. Men find it easier to laugh at men rather yeah. than women, and women find it easier to laugh at men rather than women. This is it's, it's proven that for some reason they feel more comfortable yeah. laughing at men. I think it's just due to obviously gender stereotypes and all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and you know what? That may be true, but I think that the point I was trying to make is that like something like Bridesmaids, where it's a, a yeah. film about an original story about women, is fair enough. But taking Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters yeah. and going, we'll just make them girls. That's not a fair representation of women anyway, because they were never female roles. I mean, Broad City is a great example of how you can do female focused, yes. funny. Yes. That's what you need to be doing. I, I There's lots of good examples. and But then again, look at Peep Show. They're trying to remake it in America with female leads. I'm not see, happy with that. I don't think that'll work either because the whole point of Peep Show was that they were these dirty, decrepit pair of men just trying to go through life being this pair of decrepit men. I mean, it could work, but I don't think it's going to work in the US setting again. It's... You've had something similar to it in Workaholics, and it's not the same, it's a different... Yeah. But it's the American style of human versus the British style, and that's where I think... I just, I, I hope that they don't do what they did with... Um, what was that one? The IT crowd, where they just took the exact same script, but, like... Yeah. They even, it just didn't work. Even took her across Richard Ayoade, and then yeah. replaced Chris O'Dowd, who's now massive in America, yeah, with, with... Joel McHale. Who I love. Who is... I mean, he, firstly, he's incredibly handsome. He didn't. He had shaved face then. When he has shaved face, he looks weird. But, like, Chris <laughs> O'Dowd is meant to be, like, bless him, like, basement IT crusty guy. And then Joel McHale is yeah. absolutely not that. I think he's alright looking by season three. First two seasons where he's got his I dog I think he's alright looking all the time. We have gone really We have. We have. So, role anyway. models, um, for those who haven't seen it, it's essentially about two guys who do Minotaur energy drink Minotaur energy or drink Minotaur canned nuclear horse piss is what Paul Rudd calls they it they literally are pissing green, green. at one point this, this is Shrek's piss yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah you obviously like it because you remember the words <laughs> I love it I love um, it but they're doing they're doing this and essentially they what do they do that causes them to get they, he goes off on a rampage essentially he has a worst day ever he goes off on one on a Starbucks worker about the fact that the languages don't work in Starbucks and Elizabeth Banks turns around to him and is like you are so negative about everything I cannot be in and by the way Venti is 20 because there's 20 yeah. ants in the cup <laughs> yeah and he's like is that, is that true <laughs> um, but yeah he's so negative and so down about everything that Elizabeth Banks turns around and tells him I don't want to be in this relationship anymore you're bringing me down I'm going and he she moves out, he 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 tries to get it to not move out, she does. He takes Minotaur around high schools to promote a non-drug atmosphere and basically says when you feel like doing drugs, just drink a can of Minotaur instead. And it's really like it's 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 not moral, but it's it, that's what he does. Well you can't even buy it, you're 16 now, and you no, you can't, you need ID. And uh, I don't know how it works in America though. I don't know if they've changed the laws on it, but I couldn't tell you. Um, or Australia. I mean, he, I think it's probably I think it's probably tighter in Australia. They tend to be a bit tighter on things like that. Yeah, but yeah, essentially, Paul Rudd absolutely loses his mind in, a, in high school and starts like checking cans about and just going a bit nuts. I and, forgot and that's telling happened. them that 
it's basically bollocks. Yeah, and, and they basically they're threatened to go to jail for thirty days. Elizabeth Frank helps them because she's a lawyer. She's a lawyer. Yeah, a lawyer. A lawyer. <laughs> um, women can't be lawyers. <laughs> oh God, get out! But you know, it's, 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 I had to question it because of the sort of the nature of the film. It was yes, very much. It was, yeah. But she was the successful one and they were both yes. bums. Yeah. And essentially, instead of them going to jail for 30 days, they get community service and they have to do um, a little brother system, which is run by... Uh, Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch, the Who, ex- if we're talking about female roles in this film, she steals it for me every time. She is hilarious. She is good, isn't it? I mean, it's got a load of weird, like, actors. Like, Joe Latroglio's in this. Yeah. And there's like, yo, what are they, what's he doing there? You've got the guy who... He's actually in... Um, we're Hot American Summer. He's also in... Oh, what's that? You know that Bachelor one where they're like... Uh, Burning Love? Oh, he was in Burning Love. Oh, lead, I forgot all about that. Yeah, the lead in Burning Love and stuff. And he's also in Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well. He's the yes. captain who comes in who's a bit hapless. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got loads of characters who show up in it that you're like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I, I remember them. But essentially it's them and they befriend their two kids. Um, Stifler, because I can never... Is it Sean William Scott? Yes. Um, friends, this kid called Bob, who's the actor is like Bobby, B O double B E apostrophe E or something. Mm-hmm. Who's just? Uh, he's just a naughty kid. He's, he's a little like brat. He, he's the part that Kevin Hart would play if he was only about an inch shorter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, he's like that sort of smart talking black kid. Yeah. Who does the the jokes with the white guy because he ca- gets away? It's that sort yeah, of. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. And it's and it is funny. He's really good in it. He's fab. He's my favorite character in it, probably. Actually, over like over. Over Jake Lynch. McLovin. Oh, I I just feel so sorry for him all the way through the film. Well, him laughing. I really do, because he's just trying to be himself. This is the second film I've watched since doing this podcast that's featured laughing. Yeah. I don't think laughing was that big a thing, but I think it's one of those... It is huge. It's It's, huge. It's one of those staples that you can sort of put in things. You go, look, look, they're nerds. (laughs) Yeah. They're nerds. They don't know how to interact with the real world. Have you ever seen, like, a laugh? Battle because those those things get like only violent. On, only on YouTube with lightning bolt, lightning bolt, <laughs> lightning bolt. <laughs> that is not a fair representation. I mean, I don't laugh, but I've I've seen them. I, I, you and... laugh a lot. No, I don't. I never laughed. Are you? Are you? Stop it. Nothing. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a really no. I think it's really interesting. I I think it's a really funny thing. But I, as you said, it doesn't showcase Elizabeth Banks at all. She shows up at the end, and that's something. And they reconcile, but she's a bit part. She is there when she's in the scene. She does re- well. She's the vehicle. But she's she the does, catalyst for. But her acting, it. her acting in this is no different to her acting, and definitely maybe, and it's no different to how she was in Scrubs. It's yeah. just Elizabeth Banks. I mean, you can at this point absolutely see why she was getting bored because at this point it's even if you don't know her personally who does obviously but you can turn around and be like oh she's just being herself like she what is she what what is she acting she's not she's not having to and that's there's nothing worse than a bored actor because it comes across normally on screen thankfully it doesn't in this it doesn't no but it can easily and i don't think she's come across as bored in any of the films that i've watched of her on this but like i i can see why you would get frustrated i can really see it Cool. But so go, going back. Also, to that, um, I think it's about, I think it's about a four star film. That yeah, I would say it's, so. It's good fun. I mean, it's, it's three to four. It's good fun. Mm. It's a lot. Of, 
get the unrated one because it's a bit longer, got more bits in there. Yeah, Paul um, Rudd, I love him and I thought he was brilliant in this. It's just he's good in that. He, the grumpy guy. Wet Hot American Summer, he plays a complete douchebag. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, complete, yeah. But yeah, he's, um, he, he's I good. always he's think a about him. <laughs> yeah, well, think about when he was in um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall and he was the super I love you, dude. man. Yeah, I love he's him. I love him. London. <laughs> he sounded like a from London. But yeah, going back to that CNN review, it also states on that subject that she tries her best, but then this is her third release in three weeks. So regardless <laughs> of her frustrations around smaller roles, like Banks was, she was like, booked and busy, man. She was doing a lot. Um, and one of the releases that saw her in the lead role again, finally, and she was the lead role in this, was um, Kevin Smith's Zach and Mary Porno. And I didn't realise that Kevin Smith directed it. Yeah. I didn't know that, which totally makes sense now that Jay is in it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so this received really mixed reviews from the critics, but audiences loved it. So, for example, uh, Simon Crook from Empire stated that it's crude, hilarious, if a little corny, but it's right on the money shot. Nicely put. Um, but then James Rookie from um, Common Sense Media said that it's a prime example of what happens when a filmmaker creates a movie solely on premise without thinking about plot or plausibility. Um, it received 65% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes and people really liked uh, Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks together saying that they bring out the sweet and the sticky together and they thought that they made a really good duo and I would agree with that. You really like this film, don't you? Um, I've got to be honest, on second watch, <laughs> I, I loved it when I first watched it. Basically, I watched it you watched it drunk. Weirdly, I watched it drunk with my dad. and um, There's not a lot to do in the valleys in Wales. <laughs> and we both thought it was really, really funny. And I still thought it was funny. But when it says, if a little corny, it is very much like, Oh, it's, it's again... It's, it's so another, corny. It's, so, just to give a bit, bit of background about how mm. we do this normally. We normally go, right, we've got this person coming up. We see the new release. We try, try, try and watch these five films. Because we're going to talk a bit more about in depth them. Which is why we do them. We should really still do the spoiler tags. And I say it every week. And every week I forget. But we do those. And when I saw the list, I was like, God, oh, there's a lot of rom-coms in here. Mm. But that's unfortunately what we're that's stuck what with. That's what she does. Yeah, that's, that's the issue. Does. But um, I hadn't seen this beforehand. Um, this is the first time I'd seen it. And uh, you, I think, still liked it more than I did on, uh, on your second watch than I did on my first I watch. I think I liked it more in my head. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, when I first watched it, obviously, me and my dad, it was just, what, like, we had one of those nights which I really enjoy where we just have a couple of drinks, we just put on any film, and we, like, chat about it, and, and it was very funny. But then when I watched it on second watch, I was like, this wasn't as good as I remember it being. No, it's essentially, it's two roommates that are just friends, are really struggling for cash. They go to a high school uh, reunion where she wants to bang a guy, basically. Um... She finds out that he's gay. And he's actually with a... His partner's a gay, gay porn star. star who is making money hand over fist, quite literally. And that's, uh, by the way, played by Justin Long. And who he, he, he steals the f- f- film for is me. just brilliant. He's so funny. And you can tell that he wasn't really given a script for a he lot of what he did. Um, and his partner is the guy who... Uh, I can't remember his he's name. He's Superman. Yeah, he plays it in Superman... Um, Returns, I think it's the, mm-hmm. what it's called, I can't remember, the, the, when they tried to reboot it. You can see him trying so hard, hard not to corpse all the way through it. I mean, I was trying to remember his actual acting name, he just shouted Superman. Superman! <laughs> I, like, I, I know the film, I told That's you. That's the only reason I know him, because you got... told me that he was Superman when we were watching it. And you were like, oh yeah! And we and still now, get his name. 
It's me. I knew that it was Superman. <laughs> but yeah, he's in there and he's, he's corpsing quite a bit, but it's little, little bits here and there. It's... I like that, though. I love seeing... I, I, I'm one of these people who I love, love seeing actors struggle not to laugh. Like, the bit in Friends where Phoebe is singing along with the bagpipes and you can see Jennifer Aniston physically, like, crumbling because she can't not laugh at it. That's my favourite thing in the world. Yeah, so yeah, it is, it is yeah. really good. I really enjoy it when when they see the story. Things better in sitcoms, I rather wasn't in yeah. films yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But just is it? Yeah, and Brandon Ruth. I knew his name was Brandon, but I can't remember his last name. But they've got, and then basically they find out that's all that money they could make. So they decide that they're going to make a porno because he's she's just had her ass filmed, doesn't she? She she was getting changed in the coffee shop for the reunion, and, and kids are, fil- kids are filming her in her underwear because she's wearing huge period pants. Um, and yeah, it's all over the internet. It goes viral, um, and everybody just knows her as Granny Panties. And basically, they try to capitalise on it to try and make money. Um, they get Craig Robinson, um, the black guy, mm-hmm. who has that brilliant singer. Um, can I have a coffee? Black. What did you say? I'm talking white. white. Yeah. <laughs> that is, it's like one of the most used, sort of, and he's great in it, again. I love I love him. I love him. Um, but he then helps finance the film. They basically yeah. pull in these people, they bring in... They the make, um, they they go at first to make Star a Star Wars. Wars parody called Star Wars, and they, they, like, he loans money off that friend um, to get a, a proper space, and they've got equipment, and they've got... Um, they've built the props together, they've really bonded, and then they come in the next day to start filming, and <laughs> it gets demolished. It gets demolished, he, he literally gives money for a month's rent on the place, and they destroy it, and they go, we've, we've had this for a month, we go, oh yeah, he, he, don't, he lied to you, well we need to go get him, go, oh he's down in Florida now, he just literally yeah, he just, just shafts them, them and takes those um, And then, in possibly the worst titled porn because you said star fucks which i yeah. thought would have been better they decide to make a porno in the coffee shop called swallow my cockachino you say that i actually prefer that one <laughs> star it just makes me laugh but it's, it's star fucks was too obvious swallow my cockachino <laughs> i'm still laughing about it right so i can't uh, say too it's there's got to be something better somewhere. Swallow my, honestly, I, when I heard it, it was one of those things where I'd forgotten that's what it was called, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, they basically, they're going to do that, and the idea is that those, um, Zach and Marie will have sex at some point. There's clearly this tension between them about it. It's brewing the whole this, way There's jokes all the way through where, basically, Elizabeth Banks' character is like, oh, you only want to make a porno because you want to know what it would be like to have sex with me. And um, you've always thought about basically, it. Basically, they're all doing their bits here and there. They have sex mm-hmm. in potentially the most awkward scene in the world they're like really uncomfortable doing it but then the sex is meant to be really good and they've sort of oh that was really beautiful yeah but it doesn't sell does it yeah everybody else is like honestly just like porno well stuff and then they're really romantic and really like one of them I think is actually a porn star Maybe two, two of them, them are both, both two of them women. are the two girls are actually porn stars yes um, whilst the, the other guy they bring in well they bring in two guys don't they they bring yeah. one who is um, Jay Jay Simon Jay Clubs. the human Viagra essentially Silent Jay Silent not Silent Jay that's Silent Bob Jay it's just Jay what, <laughs> what oh it's not my day and another guy um, who's just just an innocent little boy trying to make his way yeah. in acting or something. Bloke gets up getting pegged all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they do that, then there's a whole thing with him potentially going off with the porn star, she gets jealous, she then goes, she's going to fuck this other person, mm-hmm. he gets angry about it, leaves, and then they find out that neither, neither did it, and they get back together, they finish the, the, they finish the editing, 
makes money. And basically, they start their own production company for porn stars yeah. to make money. And that's the long shot. They make money. It's, 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 it's good, whole, wholehearted family fun. I, I'm looking back <laughs> on it. I... There's a whole scene where someone gets shit in the mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a definite anal gone wrong scene, 100%. Um, that again, I made out to be much worse in my head because I remember telling you about it. Or you're like, oh, don't be eating when you're watching this. I'll be like, I'll be fine. And then you, and then it was like nothing. It was, it was like two seconds. So I definitely, I definitely built it up in my head. But uh, much like they did before they had sex. Yes. Um, it's nice. She does a lot better in this. You can see the sort of the comedy chops she's got. She works really well with Seth Rogen in this. Yes. The two yeah. of them have a really good sort of relationship mm-hmm. on stage and on stage on on camera, and they work really well. You see a lot more from her than you have done in the previous yeah. iterations of what she's been able to the do. The only thing I will say, and I, I I read this when I was looking at reviews for her, obviously, and one person said something really interesting, and it was that the only thing that they found off-putting about Elizabeth Banks in this film is that she's almost too pretty for she is. it. Because everybody kind of, like, passes over as if she's really shockingly average, and, like, it's Elizabeth Banks. Like, she's pretty. She's she, gorgeous. She is, and... Uh, Obviously, the reason why they sort of laugh it off from school history is because she was the fat girl. And that's like, stinky Linky. Stinky Linky. Yeah. Like, stinky. And it was like the idea, and then they've sort of become friends, and they're both the schlubs, aren't they? That's the thing. They don't yeah. really do anything. So there's a reason why they're sort of shunned. But he's, she's still yeah. really good looking. So. Yeah, yeah. Unfeasibly so, considering that she's meant to be like passed over. But I would say... How, in my head, I would have given this a four, but I think it's realistically more like a three. Yeah. I, for those of you who want, like, an accurate picture of what it was like to watch this a second time, like, obviously, with like Josh watches a lot of films, and he watches a lot of good films, and he has good opinions on films, whereas I will literally watch anything. And when I was watching this, and I built it up so much as being really funny, I was sat there going, like, oh, God, he's going to think yeah. I know nothing. <laughs> and I did. And... <laughs> I wasn't shocked. It was fine. I mean, it's, it's a good film that you can just watch for a laugh. It's, it's That's the it. Same, it's the same category of many comedies. You go, everyone's like, oh, they're so good, they're so good. And you watch it again, you're like, oh, they weren't as good as... It. It's, no yeah. comedies can be as good as the first time you watch it because you don't have the surprise of the jokes. The problem with me was a lot of these jokes I was formulating before they were coming out. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, just the way it was. Because Star Wars was, immediately came up. I had that. Yeah. I had all yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And like other jokes that were coming up, I could see what's going on. So it was a little predictable, but it's the same as what you expect. And, yeah, as I said, if you're looking for something just to watch for a laugh on an afternoon that you don't have to pay much attention to, then... But that's, like, a common theme for what I've said for all of your films so far, isn't it? Yes. But... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would argue, not to give too much away, the next one we're going to talk about, I didn't think that. No. But... This, this, yeah, yeah, sit down and watch... Um, so after Zach and Miri, uh, Banks went on to star in bigger and more notable films. So this was when she started to make a notable dent in producing. Um, a production company was founded in 2002, as I said, but she began uh, by becoming the executive producer of The Surrogates in 2009, um, which led to producing bigger hits, and she had another big year in 2012. So she was producing and starring in the Pitch Perfect franchise at this point. Um, and she was billed as Wendy Cooper in What to Expect When You're Expecting, which I've never seen, but it was it was quite a big film at the time. And she started. She Effie. wasn't that big in in that film. She's not a really big part. There's, there's no real big parts in it. It's all like different couples. Also, I'm going to say before you just keep going. If if there is some sound in the background of this podcast, we do apologise. We have a guy who decides to play bass at random hours when we're just doing stuff. Just bass, no drums, no guitar, no not, not like full band practice. I've not seen him, but I guarantee he looks like a typical bass player. <laughs> 
And the thing is, I don't know whether it's coming from below us or above us. Who knows? But yeah, we'll we'll try and get um, the moving Josh to try and clean some of this up, but yeah. we can't guarantee it. Um, but anyway, yeah, she started producing and starring in Pitch Perfect. She was Effie Trinket in the um, Hunger Games films, which were massive, huge. She's not um, big in those parts, though. She's good in it. I would say she's very memorable. She's like, very, she's she the is. one... Like, I've only watched the Hunger Games films, and I've watched the first two, um, maybe, like, once. And out of everyone in those films, she's the one that I remember. She makes a good impression. I think it's just yeah. the way she should be styled. Stanley Tucci, I also remember in there, because obviously mm. he had the big blue hair. But again, it's just the, start, the characters yeah. they are. But this was the start of her really getting into like franchise films. And I would say that Hunger Games is what made her a household name. At the oh, end yeah, of the day. definitely. And I, and I think she's very good in it. Yeah, she it. is. Even if I'm, yeah. not a big, I'm not a huge fan of the films. I don't no. think they're bad, but I don't think... I feel very much the same way as them as I feel about the Twilight films. They're very, no, I, like, these mm, are better than the Twilight films. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't, I'm not a big fan of either of they them. They definitely are better than the Twilight films. <laughs> I, I think a lot of things are better than the Twilight films. Those yes. of you who've seen me on Twitter know that I've already ragged on on, Twi- on Twilight before, so that's, that's not I read new. the I read the first book in a single day. I gave up on the Facebook. I read it because um, I'm a soft and sensitive guy. You ju- are. Who just moved to America Very and was trying to make friends. Very much more <laughs> of an Edward Cullen than a, than a JW. Um, he's not really soft and sensitive. He's 100 years old and watches little girls sleep. Again, is that an accurate portrait? <laughs> no, I'm not that old. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. That was the only bit I, apparently um, <laughs> I was fighting against there. I'm not that old. Um, yeah, she continued to star in all the Hunger Games films, obviously, but she began to direct as well, so this is where she made a directorial debut in Movie 43. The worst she... film in the world, <laughs> and everyone knows it's the worst film, it's critically yeah. seen, and it's, I think it was deliberately meant to be the worst film in the world. I don't think it was meant to be good. If it was meant to be good, I it's, don't know. It seemed like one, there was a point where, where Hugh, is it Hugh Jackman has balls on his chin? Yeah, that was... Like, it was, it was terrible, it was... It's a one-star film, but I think it was deliberately meant to be bad. But it was almost meant to be it was so bad it was good, but it definitely didn't do it that It didn't turn. do that. I just found it really tedious. It felt like an opportunity for people to try different directing Stuff. styles. I yeah. think James Gunn's involved yeah. in this as well. I don't know if he's the overarching director. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they all... I think they... Basically, people who wanted to direct directed little segments. So, like, she directed the middle school date segment, which I can't even really remember no. what it was about. It was but a, no. It was in there. And she went on to direct Pitch Perfect 2. She didn't direct Pitch Perfect 3, but she produced it. It feels like she directed Pitch Perfect 2 more because there was an issue with the director and she stepped in. To yeah, do... more than likely. But that was if, like, her first directorial debut and then a big one was Pitch Perfect 2. Um, Which she... I think some people would argue is one of the, the stronger ones, isn't it? Well, Pitch Perfect 2. Yeah. I would say it's the strongest of the three. Yeah. yeah for sure. I love is it, it. Is it 2, 1, then 3? Yes. I would say so. Mind, yeah. I would say so. Um, not that I'm like a pitch perfect expert, but that's where I would put it. Um, and she she proved your herself pi- to be your pitch average, pitch mediocre. <laughs> You're not perfect in your. I'm, own family, oh goodness right? me! Uh, the puns are unbelievable today. The puns are loose and not very well formed. I like them because they're bad. You do have terrible taste. <laughs> but yeah, she proved herself then to be a really good voice actor in the Lego movie as Wild Style, which I loved the Lego movie, one and two. And I thought I preferred, she was fab. I preferred the first one to the second one. I think yes. I think that's just generally 
the second one turned almost into a musical, didn't it? it I mean, the yeah. first one had a lot of musical things in it. But then they took it... I think, this, like, be honest with you, the second one was definitely geared more towards children than the first one yeah. was. I feel like that's what it was. They found their audience because kids were like, I really like this. And then they kind of geared it more towards them and the adults. Which I yeah. think, in all honesty, is probably a smart move. If you want money, yeah. It's yeah. a massively smart move. Um, but, yeah, she I was good in it. I didn't realise it was her when I was listening to it. I, mm. I, and now, obviously, it's her voice, but... I couldn't place who was doing it in the... Yeah. Like, you knew it was Chris Pratt. You knew it was Charlie Day. You mm. knew it was Alison You can Brie. never not know that it's Charlie Day. Yeah. <laughs> but you knew it was Alison Brie as well. Yes. And yeah. stuff like that. You knew it were they were these people and it was Will Arnett and things like that. You were like, oh, yeah, picked it up. Liam Neeson's in there. Got, got him. Will Ferrell got him. And I just couldn't place her. But she's meant to be this enigmatic character anyway yeah. so it works that it was a bit like oh who is that but yeah. she did a really good and job and I thought she was very I thought she was funny I did I thought she was mm-hmm. funny but then she's got all of this stuff going on and then in, in amongst all of that stuff she finds herself as the female lead in the Brian Wilson biopic which was Love and Mercy and it was released in 2014 and I would say easily easily my favourite film that we've watched this week easily I, I would also say it's potentially the best film she's been in yeah I, I, I mean, obviously, literally. when Seabiscuit was earlier than this, wasn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. Obviously, that might be, and W might be argued that they're better. She's not as present in them. Mm. This is the best film that she's in, which got. And to be honest, they're a different sort of film, and I actually would enjoy this. I enjoy this more than Seabiscuit, and I enjoy it more than um, yes. W. I think this yeah. is more enjoyable, this but is... also heart yeah. wrenching. Yeah. Absolutely. This is one of the first films I've watched in a while really where I've been literally completely blown away by a film I genuinely think it is beautiful really good I, I mean I don't know what to expect of it so if you don't know Brian Wilson obviously is the the, the leader of the Beach Boys where he was for like the first 11 albums mm-hmm. um, he's, one, he's the oldest brother he's what he might not be the oldest he's one of the older and it's basically following him through the dark points of his life. So it's when he starts yeah. doing pet sounds. It's also when he's in his 80s and he's yeah. been held... Um, well, in, not in his 80s, in the 80s. In the 80s, sorry. Yeah. He's not even in his 80s. In the <laughs> 80s, where he's uh, under 24-hour supervision by um, a psychotherapist. And yeah. stuff like that, where Essentially, if you don't know much about Brian Wilson, he has struggled for his entire life with mental health issues. Um, he, he's... He was diagnosed by this um, psychotherapist as being a paranoid schizophrenic in the Glenn 60s. Glenn Lacey, is it? Uh, Eugene Lacey. Eugene Landy, sorry. Yeah, Gene Landy, that's it. And, um, and essentially it was a misdiagnosis as well. He was diagnosed with um, anxiety, anxiety and severe depression um, when he got out of that therapy. Okay. Um, but it, but he, he, he always heard like voices, but it was more of a kind of like... It was, an anxious, it, was, yeah, it was anxious, it was anxious, like you're not good enough. Episodes, this is what rather than it being paranoid schizophrenia, which was basically Eugene Landy over medicated him and changed his will when he was over medicated so that he would get all of his money, and it, it was just an awful situation for somebody to um, be in. So you have just to go through the actors, you have Paul uh, Dano who is potentially one of my favourite actors working right now. Just um, incredible. Playing the young version of him, like in the 60s, where he's working on uh, Pet Sounds, he's working on Smile. It's him when he starts using drugs and starts going through those points. And him singing as well. And he did one of the best impressions. Oh my goodness. I literally turned to Josh and was like, is this him singing? Because if it isn't, 
then fair enough. But if it is, yeah. that is one of the best imitations. He to, and he had to perform for Brian Wilson before he did the, did the film. And, like, bearing in mind that, like, Brian Wilson's parts in those songs in the Beach Boys, like, Brian Wilson's got a hell of a musical range on him, yeah. like, vocally. Those songs are not easy to sing. And he nailed it. Yeah, and it, it, he was amazing. He was great mm. in those flashbacks. But then you go, when you're in the 80s, which is between the present time of what this film is being set in, you have John Cusack, again, brilliant. Um, not in every film he does. He's made, Wonderful in this, though. Oh, he's great in this, where he's playing him, where he is the over-medicated version, where he is struggling, he doesn't know how to talk. Um, Elizabeth Banks, who plays um, a Cadillac dealer, like former model, that sort of thing, and his love interest, who... But she's sort of... The facilitator for the film again. She's the she. I would say she is actually the lead she is in the, the lead. film. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Paul, no one got any like nods for the acting. I think um, the two Golden Globes were nominated. Two uh, Golden to, Globes, which Paul Dano was mm-hmm. supporting actor. I think yeah. he might have won that. I'm not sure. He did, yeah. But no, no other big big accolades mm-hmm. for the film. Um, I think soundtrack was one of them. But that, mm-hmm. if you put the Beach Boys on there, you're gonna get a soundtrack, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and it's basically her trying to get him out of the control of Eugene Landy, who's played by the brilliant Paul Giamatti. And he's outstanding. All, he's genuinely terrifying. The four actors in this film are four of my favourite actors working. Mm. And they worked beautifully together. It was we'll amazing. That and, it was, and it was heart-wrenching. I, I mean, there's a lot that I want to talk about this film, but I really feel it's one of those films that you might have missed. And I, I missed it. It came out. It went under the radar. It obviously, you've got all these big ones right now. You've got Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocketman. And me and Josh had that discussion on the podcast when mm. we were doing Rocketman comparing it to Bohemian Rhapsody, which was going to be better. But this is overlooked. And realistically, yeah. this is better than I, I really feel like, um, especially at the moment, um, biopics are getting a bit of a... A kind of resurgence, and I feel like maybe now this is the time where this film should get a bit of love. I I tweeted about it, it obviously because it's me. Um, immediately after I watched it, and just went, "How have I never heard of this film before?" Because it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And immediately, like three people were like, "I can't believe you've watched it. It's incredible. It's one of my favorite films of all time. I can't believe more people don't talk about it." And it is just wonderful. It is. And it's, it's really moving. Well. There's points, obviously, where you're sat there watching people struggle, struggle with mental health and it's, and people not understanding his own team, uh, his own family not really understanding it. It goes into how... And his father was an abusive, controlling, horrible, horrible man who used to beat them as children. And, also, and then as they got older, he just manipulated them. He used to be their manager. They fired him because they wasn't allowing them to do what they wanted to. And he would keep showing up with other... Like, this shows up with other bands. You know, what about... Look at these. These are going to get a gold record. What you're making right now is crap. Yeah, there's a constant narrative throughout it of, like, we can't let the Beatles beat us. We can't let the Beatles but that's, beat But that's us. what he wants to do. Yeah. And it's not that he wants, doesn't want the Beatles... He doesn't want them to outpace them because he realises they're using things that they're doing and they're doing, one, they're doing great music and he wants to do similar mm. but bigger and better. And one, one of the most impressive things I found about this as well is the way that they just portrayed how... I mean, I'm, I am a musical person. I play musical instruments and I, I, the way that they portrayed... The way that he composes music in his head and then just goes up to someone and goes... Like, there's a bit where the bass player is going, there's two bass lines here and one is in... A flat and one is in D major. How is that going to work? A minor, A minor. That's it. And he literally just turned to him. Well, it works in my head, and then it just works, and it's incredible. It's clear that he's a perfectionist. There's a point where they're doing the bits with the um, was it the 
cellos, isn't it? The cellos, it's yeah. Like, uh, more staccato. We want more of this. And, and it's, a, it's a kicking rhythm. And, and he's literally, and he's literally like, to... they've done it, they've done it. And it's, for three hours. And he's like, well, they haven't. You can go, but they haven't done it. And it's that controlling nature. And um, I've got to be honest, although Elizabeth Banks is great, John Cusack is great. Paul Giamatti is great. Paul Dineau Paul steals the whole it. film, and it's a shame. She is brilliant in this, though, and she does. I don't think she do gets you know enough love what? in the reviews. That's yes, the problem. and do you know the thing that I loved about her dynamic mm-hmm. with John Cusack was just John Cusack was amazing because you felt so sorry for him. Like in the bits where he was being controlled and he was going to her, "There's no way out. There's no way out. I can't do it." And she was actively. You never. You never felt sorry for Elizabeth Banks. She was always like, this is the situation. I am going to solve it. I will get you out of it. And she was, she was so very strong. strong in it. That's it. She was a good, strong lead who was vulnerable at times. Mm-hmm. And it was that point, obviously, where they first meet and they're in a car and he writes the bit on the paper. Yeah. I See, I'm quite happy to give spoilers away from most of the films I review, but I yeah. don't want to talk any more about this because... If you want to watch it, watch it, and you will enjoy it. If you don't enjoy yeah. it, by all means, at me, who underscore tin anywhere, yeah. or at the, at the podcast. I will tell you why you're and, wrong. And I will, I will, <laughs> I, will I'll, I will fight you online, because uh, I'm not going to fight you in person, because I'm not very big. It's 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 genuinely a an emotional experience. Mm. I loved it. I would go as far as to say that I, I would put, would I put that in straight away into one of my favourite film lists? Yes, Absolutely. I loved it. I, I mean, then again, I'm, I'm biased. Any Paul Dunneau film basically ends in my. List. I would, I would give that a solid five, though. Solid five out of five. I gave it four, but I, but I, I just, I don't know. It's a, you know what I'm like. I'm easily distracted. My attention span isn't great. That was one of the first films where I like, I was like, I literally do not want to concentrate on anything else other than this yeah. right now. Like it was just. You would give that a good vibrations. <sighs> that is the it's their number one song. God only knows is the is is, is, okay. is the best. All right, you give it you give it God only knows, and I'll give it a good. You can give good it a good vibration because it made me cry. Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, this then kind of brings us nicely onto the more recent years of her career. Um, and I'll I'll keep. I, I, it is going to be short because at the end of the day, we know she's already done like these big things. Now she's mm. doing things like Love and Mercy, but she's also doing Hunger Games. She's doing bigger bigger films now. She's a household name at this point based on things like that alone um but more notably she's she's not a bored or frustrated actress anymore because she's doing the writing she's doing the producing she's mm-hmm. doing all the stuff that she wanted to do in the first place when she was doing all those little rom-coms she's actually managed to do now and she's building on it and she's keeping going so um she uh she's yeah. she's then you know she's she's moved into more moved and more things in. yeah yeah i mean most bit recently the big one that she was in was obviously power rangers wasn't it yeah she was Rita repulsa in that and i i haven't seen it you have and people said she was brilliant she was, she was good she reinvented the role because um really power rangers um is so iconic especially with um how it was in the cartoons because Rita repulsa was like <laughs> she's all witchy and had the big horns and she comes in as like a badass woman villain that just destroys things. It's not great by any stretch. I'm not saying it's a brilliant film. It's, it's a, the Power Rangers movie. It's not going to be anything. I, was, I wanted more from it, but yeah. I was hoping, and to be honest, I wanted a second one because I wanted to see how it was going to progress. 
It's not a great film, but she's very good in it, and she she becomes a completely different character to what you expect. Really? Films, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, the other thing she's been in as well is, and I think you did watch this I recently, have, yeah. um, where she was Jenny in The Happy Time Mooders. It's, it's big to say she co-starred in it. She was barely in it. Really? Because when I read about it, they said co-starred a few times. Yeah, because if you're looking at actual human actors... There's, there's not many of them. There's <laughs> not many of them. Obviously, The Happy Time Mooders is uh, done by Brian... Henson, mm. son of Jim Henson, he's doing obviously the puppets again. It's all about a crime drama. It's all about puppets and humans, how they can live together, and the human, uh, the puppets are sort of treated like second class citizens by the humans and all that. Sort yeah. of. So it's it's the sort of film you expect it to be. And essentially, there was a TV show called Happy Time, um, yeah, called the Happy Time Gang. Yeah. And she was the only human on there. The rest were all puppets. And essentially, it's going into syndication. There's going to be 10 million available um, to, which should be split amongst all the, the cast because it's going into syndication. And then the cast keeps starts dying. And the the thing basically states, oh, um, if your die is die goes to your partner, if you have no partner, then it gets split amongst the rest of them, yeah. and they all slowly start dying off. Um, and it turns out, basically, I don't care, spoil it. He basically, when he's with Melissa McCarthy, they were partners together before he gets kicked off the force. He fa- he chokes whilst trying to save her, hits a ricochet of a building, and kills this girl's father. And it turns out this girl is behind it all, and now she's grown up and she's using sex as a thing. Right. It's the whole point where they have sex, and he shoots basically silly string comes out of him. And it's literally a five minute <laughs> scene of him just spraying around in a circle. <laughs> okay, it, that's the level of humor right. you're getting from it. She's sort of in it, but it, it's again, it's no different to her being in something. Like, it's a bit part. Yeah. It's a bit part. Okay. Yeah. But it's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's really good. That's a really good report there. Actually, um, I think thanks. I was a little nervous about it because obviously, like, I didn't want it to be too long, but I also didn't want it to be. Too short. Mm. I think I, I think I did okay. You did Goldilocks it. You did it I just did. right. I did. I actually was going to say you just broke in, smashed everything up, and took what you thought was yours. That's Goldilocks in. Like um, but yeah, that's cool. So obviously we've gone through all of that. So we're going to be moving on to the release of the week, which most of you have probably worked out. So um, insert jingle. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jingle for reviews. Yep, so this week's review is Brightburn, obviously. Yay! So, obviously, I think this might have come out, I think it's come out in the US a little while ago. It came mm-hmm. out in Australia a little while ago. It came and out in the rest here. of the world. Yeah, really late to get here. Yeah. And normally, they don't do this staggered release anymore because you can just get copies online and it kills ticket sales. Yeah. Which I hate. So, Brightburn. Um, what we'll do then, we'll do a synopsis of the film. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be spoiler-based, so if you haven't seen it... Now would be a good time to click off. Yeah, just come in for the clues for next week, or go see it, do it, or if you don't really care about seeing it, follow, just listen through and we'll sort of tell you what happened anyway. Um, yeah, so, Brightburn, essentially, we'll try and do it as non-spoilery as we can to start off with, but it's essentially Superman, but he's a dick. <laughs> yes, pretty much it. That is it, isn't I mean, it? I- Dick is an understatement, I feel. Yeah. So, essentially, Alien crashes into a farm in Kansas, mm-hmm. in a place called Brightburn, but yeah, it literally falls into Kansas. Um, Elizabeth Banks um, and David Denman. Denman? Denman? Denman. Denman, the, who plays Pam's boyfriend in The Office. I don't really <laughs> recognise him from much else. No, no. He's, he's been a little bit here and there, but it's the, the, they're the leads, essentially. They're the, the partners. Um, 
they find this child and they essentially raise him from infancy up to the age of 12 because that's where we sort of jump in with yeah. the film. And it follows the story of a boy that's obviously very smart, struggles to fit in, he's going through changes and stuff like that. They all are, it's 12, it's an awful time to be alive, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's an awful time to be around them, to be honest, 12 year olds, they're the worst, absolute worst. <laughs> Just stick them, stick them on an island, Lord of the Flies style, bring back the strongest. Carnage. Yes. Um, essentially, it, and it's the story of him discovering his powers and making the decisions on how he's going to use them, which yes. essentially is for bad, not yes. for good, because yeah. he's a naughty little boy. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's interesting... For those of you who maybe will, are like me and you, you've never really heard of the film before, like I'd heard of it but I didn't know what it was about. I came in it completely not knowing what to expect. Didn't expect it to be a, a bona fide horror film. Well, that's why I thought it would be useful you being here because you love horror films. I do. Yeah, it's a proper, proper horror style super film. It feels very sort of. It feels um, very much like Chronicle. Yes. To a degree. Yeah. Um, it's also got sort of that element, it's a bit darker, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of... I genuinely, I don't know what I would compare it to, because it is it is a horror film, and I think it, that, it did kind of take me by surprise, because when you hear Superman, obviously, yeah. don't think horror for a, for a second, I was expecting it to be a lot more superhero-y than it was. Um, but there were times where this film was genuinely disturbing and genuinely scary. Yeah. I felt. There were points where you, you were like, oh, uh, like that. You yeah, were, you were yeah, reacting. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you know, bear in mind, I do, I watch a lot of horror films. I've watched a lot of good horror films. I've watched a lot of bad horror films. And this. I think when you think of horror, especially now, you think of it in two different categories. This is very much body horror. When I said it was like, when I was talking about body horror, but this has a lot of body horror yes. in it because that's part of. It's meant to make you just understand its strength. It's meant to be. It's similar. It's visceral. It's, it's visceral. It's if Hereditary was a horror rather than a psychological thriller. This, this is the sort of film you yeah. get. It's it's a real weird crossover between like it's not a gore fest I wouldn't go as far to say it's a gore fest but it is shockingly violent it's more <laughs> it's more digestible than Slither oh absolutely at no point did I think I have to so stop it it was, it was quite interesting with this obviously you had James Gunn was in a produce, production sort of role of it you had his brother and his cousin who were writing this one mm-hmm. um, and then you have Elizabeth Banks back again mm-hmm. you have Michael uh, Rooker is back again it felt like a bit of a, hey, let's remember what we did and yeah. go from here. Yeah. She's good in it. She's very good. She's she very gives good. a nice layered performance, like a loving, caring mother who struggling with what's going on, who's very defensive of her kid. In denial for half of it as well. Yeah. I thought she portrayed denial very well. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to play a big river, but she did a good job. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> she, she was very good in it. Um, he was okay. I thought he was a lot more one-dimensional than she was. I thought he was good because there were... I mean, when he shouts at his kid and gets really... Yes. But he plays the part of the father who's just trying to get by, who is has always been a little uncertain of his kid because they've found an alien craft. And, yeah. Yeah. It was good to see. And there was also... um, It was... Yeah, it was uh, Matt Jones, 
who I've, I keep seeing him in loads of things. He's always he's always plays the stoner guy. Yeah. He is always the stoner. He was in like Breaking Bad. He's been in loads of films like the wide space, the wide eye guy. He actually got a chance to do some acting. He I thought was did a really good job yeah. um, in there as well. And the child was brilliant. He genuinely was very unnerving. Very, very unnerving. I thought his performance was really good. Yeah. Like, genuinely, I, I, I he, he was he, scary. He actually looks like a young Paul Deneau, doesn't he? He does. He I does. was saying like, oh, he could have done all of that with uh, Love and Mercy and brought it all the way back yeah, to childhood yeah, yeah, with him. Yeah. But it was a good on the edge sort of thing. I mean, it's been sort of given mixed reviews. I well, think. yeah, I was really interested when I looked at reviews for this. Um, in that, I was kind of poking about trying to find different things to put in the report obviously while this was going on and I found it really difficult because obviously it's one of those films that I literally couldn't keep my eyes off um but I mean we watched this in the cinema we weren't any naughty thing about it so I don't know what you're talking about you daft cow <laughs> um, but no it's, it's one of those things where like I saw a review of it and the title was literally why is Elizabeth Banks in this mess of a film? It wasn't a mess of a film, though. I felt there were points... I think... The thing was, they tried to keep it to a 90-minute runtime. It felt like they were trying to keep it to a 90-minute runtime. Yeah. Um, there were points that were sped up. That, like, it shouldn't have been that quick. He just... He flips, though, doesn't he? He's very quick on his turn. And there wasn't the subtleties you might have wanted. It was more in-your-face horror. There was... There was not... I didn't really feel tension in it. I do understand that. I wasn't tense or anything. It was like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. He's just there. It's it's not like, will they, won't they? It's not like, could get away, could not get away. Yeah, this is what I was talking about earlier on when I said um, that there's kind of like two categories of horror films that are out at the moment and there's the ones that are genuinely very, very tense and then the ones that are just pretty much non-stop like action all the way through. I would not put this in the same... Because I thought Hereditary was very tense. I thought there yeah. were parts of it that were tense. I didn't feel like that had the same build there. This didn't, and it's a shame. It had really nice elements to it, which could have been good. So essentially, it's they follow this uh, boy. He starts sleepwalking because he's getting called back to the ship, which they've got in the barn. He starts drawing this double B back to back, which could be Brightburn where he lives, or it's because his name is Brandon... Brandon Brea. It's Brandon Breyer, is it? Yeah, B-R-E-Y-E-R. It is, Breyer. Um, but yeah, essentially, he's got that. Um, and it's him being... Like, they go on a, a camping trip, and then he appears at this girl's window because he likes it, because he has, like, a, the sex talk. Cause mm-hmm. they, and then the, the girl's choice there. She's unnerved by him. Um, he then... She's unnerved. They're doing a trust exercise and she doesn't catch him. Yeah. And she won't help him up because he's like, oh, you're a, you're a perv. You're yeah. a perv. And then he smashes her hand. Just like, he, absolutely he just crunch, completely crushes her. Like, her whole hand is broken. Her wrist is broken. It's 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 bad. So, yeah, he is expelled for, like, two days. Um, he's not happy about it. He doesn't think he did anything wrong, really. Mm-hmm. Um, he then basically shows up to this girl house again and she says stay away my mum says I'm not allowed to talk to you, you know, well you never have to worry about that again and basically he goes off and he kills the mother but he does it he makes the it's the bit from the trailer where the glass smashes like the, the lights smash and the glass goes in her eye and you oh. see her like you see in the thing that she's trying to grab it you actually see her pull it out in this and it's like blood honestly if on you floor. are not a fan of eye stuff that is the scene you want to avoid because <laughs> yeah. I'm not even that bad with it and I literally turned to you and was like there's absolutely no need for this. 
And I thought that was well, like that was good. I thought that scene. I really liked the bit because obviously she pulled the glass out of her eyes. So you had half red, half um, clear, and it was almost symbolising his turn into this villain. Yeah, because he has red eyes in it. But it's there was a that. lot of symbolic stuff like that in there. It was really good. I thought yeah. it was really well done through there because it was done through the different lenses, mm-hmm. and then essentially he just flies and takes her away. We don't see her again until towards the end, where you found out she he's taken her to beneath the barn. Yeah, and. Disembowelled, disembowelled her, and then written the BB thing everywhere. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to stay at that B and B. Turn down <laughs> service is terrible. <laughs> um, but look, there's things like that, like that part where you see that she has literally no insides left. By the way, um, genuinely disconcerting. Like there were lots of little bits in there where I thought this is twisted. Like that was that bit was good, but then like, and then the bit where he. This uh, the Matt Jones part where he kills that guy, where he literally grabs the back of the car, pulls it oh, up, yes. and then drops him. And he, this guy lands with his mouth on the steering wheel, and just his whole jaws falling off. And he's like, him putting it on. Ooh, also, yeah. his mask though, it looked very similar to um, the episode from Doctor Who. The one with the kids with the gas masks. Oh Is yeah, that, you yeah. my mummy, that sort of thing. But then it almost looked like it'd be made out of like a wrestler's boot. I think it was it was meant to it was a homemade mask, wasn't it? It was. It was so, like it was like Yeah, it wasn't Just before he fights um uh what's his name? Macho Man Randy Savage or Bonesaw. <laughs> Bonesaw. <laughs> I've been Bonesaw yeah. in a while. From the first Spider Man film, yeah. which was played, I think, by Randy Savage, which is Oh. Yeah. Um but yeah, it, very similar to that. But the final scene where his mother's in the house, he's killed his dad because his dad tries to shoot him in the back of the head. That's very good little build-up going on. Yeah, and it's it's hard as well because he doesn't... He obviously isn't comfortable around the kid at all, um, but he kind of struggles with having to do it a little bit, doesn't he, until... He does, and it's it's the build-up. And the thing is, he's already talked about how the kid's never cut himself. He's never bled since they've had him. They've known this. You've seen the kid also put his hand in uh, a lawnmower... Blade mm. and stop it. Um, the only time you see him getting cut is when he falls and hits himself on the spaceship. So like mm. that's built with enough stuff together. It's just it's very odd that they, this alien ship lands. I know the whole talk is they haven't been able to conceive children. Mm. I get that. That's that's horrible. That's hard. Go through adoption. If 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 an alien falls out of the sky, don't keep it. But she sees it as a sign, doesn't she? She sees it as a blessing. It's glowing red. <laughs> It's glowing red of With, all the It's got colour. red eyes as well, by the way. That like, was a dream sequence. Yeah, but it's it's enough, isn't it, that everything is red and your kid looks a bit funky and he's fallen from the sky and... Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a... He's a strange child anyway. Like They know that. They, you see that going in. It's when they find that, oh, look, he must have some porn under his bed. Mm. And it's like the, the, just the lingerie things and then it's like something from a medical textbook which is like... A person, yeah. and then you go further, and it's just pictures of insides. And this is before he's become, yeah. Like, it's, weird. it's quite interesting that that build up I thought was nice that they keep just finding things out about him that would make any parent of any child go, Oh, he's gonna be a serial killer. Yeah, but it was more like, Is this normal? What's do I have to do? And they're talking yeah. to it back, and they're saying, Oh, don't worry about it. People do things differently, it's just mm. what it is. Do they keep an eye on it? So it's all they're thinking at this point is just him going through puberty. They're yeah. thinking no more of it rather than him killing all of these people. Yeah, um, but yeah he, his dad tries to shoot him and then he literally burns through his, his skull. skull with his laser vision. Um, 
the mess, the bit that I think was a mess was when his mum was in the house and he decides he's going to come for her and he's just flying through, smashing through the walls. I just, I felt it was a bit crap. It just yeah, took it, it everything was, away from... I personally did not like that and I didn't like the way that he killed the mum either. Spoilers. Yeah, no, it's... I mean, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We, di- we warned you. We warned <laughs> the, you. It's, it's literally... There's a whole build-up in the house where... Elizabeth Banks is scared, trying to get the police back, and Brandon is just flying and smashing through the building, not really looking for her. The cops there, like he, he knows where she is. Yeah. He's just playing with her, like it's, uh, it's a cat and mouse thing. Cat it and mouse, and she falls, climbs out a window to avoid him, and cuts her hand, which flashes back to earlier. It may seem that like we're flying through this review, and the problem is there isn't enough substance in this film to yes. do much with it. I personally found that. Did I enjoy it? Yes. Did I think that... They wasted the opportunity. Yeah, because I feel like there were parts in there with the deaths as well that were genuinely very unnerving and very... um, They they were just just not nice. And I felt like it lost some of its impact because you you didn't get to know the characters that died enough. You didn't get to know enough about anything to really care about anyone. This film... I don't know, it's going to be... This film could have benefited with an extra half hour in there mm. where you're building up to this child who's socially isolated, he doesn't understand what's going on. He's struggling with it rather than, oh, I've thrown my lawnmower, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I know what I am. Yeah. Straight away, there was there was no build-up. There wasn't him trying... To, you didn't see him trying to build his mask or anything like that. Just to, it wasn't yeah. like, oh, there's a kid with a mask and I wonder who it is attacking this woman. You know who it is. Yeah. There's no secret sort of thing. Just... Watch this kid. I just actually follow him as he descends into madness. Mm. It feels like they missed a whole middle section of this film. Yeah, yeah. And it was, and it could have benefited from that. Yeah. But essentially, mother takes goes to the the barn to grab some metal to try and kill him. They have that hug, and you know the standard one like "I love you," and then like you stab someone. Mm. They try to do that, and the kid reacts, throws it to the ground. Yeah. Kills his mother by flying her straight up into the like edges of the atmosphere and just dropping drop it. Yeah. And then happens to be a jet coming past, like a passenger jet, which he then makes crash over the thing. So it looks like it's just a plane has crashed. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with Michael Rooker. And this is a you know, bright burn because it's like only the 12 year old son survived. And he's mm. obviously not upset. But the, the Michael Rooker being like this guy called Big T or whatever he is, who's meant to be like this conspiracy nut on YouTube, who's just talking about this bright burn because literally he then starts destroying the world he's destroying things at a time and that's his ultimate goal and I thought that was nice that no one won the bad guy won and it makes sense because who can beat Superman not regular people there's not other superheroes around there's just one off alien the issue I had is I would have rather watched Slither than watch that um I don't know if I agree with that Slither the thing is Slither was a premise that didn't didn't have any right to give anything from it. Yeah. And it was good, it was enjoyable, it was fun. This had a wonderful idea, something that I mm. really want to see, because yeah. I mean, I want to see it in the cinematic, well, well, not Marvel, the DC universe, I want to see it in comic universe of an evil Superman, or like, do it as um, the, oh, I can't remember the one where he lands it, what the name of it, when he lands in Russia, but basically where he's playing almost the villain to what it is and it's him then turning to being good but you could see that's what I wanted to see I wanted to have a Superman like character with something about him but this kid had nothing he was meant to be completely yeah. empty I think I think the only reason I would disagree is because I don't 
like I, I, I don't think I really like the concept of Slither. I don't think okay. I was like, yeah, yeah. but but I That's really I mean. like the concept of as you said. But yeah. you like the concept, and they didn't deliver on it. Yes. But Although then, I will say, was Elizabeth Banks good? I thought she was the best person in that film. I, I felt I, for who more than I felt for anybody. Her and the kids. Yeah. Her and the kid, they were the best parts of that film. Because I did feel sorry for her when she was struggling with the fact that he was doing everything and then, like, by the time she rings her husband to say, oh, by the way, you were right, he's completely mental. He's already dead. Yeah. And, like, she, yeah, I I, I did. I thought she was good. I didn't, I don't know if I... But then again, I don't know why I was expecting more because the people who wrote it before, the film they'd written before this was seven years ago and that was Journey to the Mysterious Island. Ah, and the other one they have is like, bring it on again. So oh, like, not bring it on again. If it was yeah. the booth, bring it on, then fair enough. So they didn't really have much coming into it. It was just the gun name helps build it up to a level. Yeah. So yeah, um, what rating would you give that? I mean, it's meant to be something related to the film, and you're doing something clever with it, rather than just saying two out of five, trying... Oh, um, I would give that maybe two to three um, broken off doors. <laughs> I would give that. I would give it a solid two shards of glass in the eye. Oh, sweet! Yeah, not five. It's two. Yeah, it's it's. it's... Yeah, I think I. Yeah, two to three. Two to three jewels. Yeah, so not great, not not horrible, but it is what it is. Would you give it a second watch? No, I think it's it spent its um, time with me, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's a real shame. If I'm going to watch anything again, I'm going to go watch um, Love and Mercy again yeah, from this week. Yeah, absolutely. But that's... If that is the one takeaway you get from this week is go and watch that. So yeah, um, that's been another week on the podcast. Um, obviously, thanks to Karis for stepping in last... Well, Karis is always meant to be here. There was just meant to be three of us around until, as I said, Josh Jones died, unfortunately. Yeah. I can't believe it. I mean, just you can't get the staff. You can't. I mean, <laughs> it serves him right, though. I mean, who dies... Opening a jar of mayonnaise of all things. <laughs> it really, it serves him right because his favourite Elton John song is "Young Dumb and Broke." He did write that. That was his last words. Remember, "Young Dumb and Broke," Elton John. It's, play at my funeral. He's got terrible taste. <laughs> he, he does. Um, so thank you. Obviously, you can check us out on um, all our socials at O N B W Pod. Um, so on Pod, um, <laughs> and that's on. Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, at Facebook the moment. and that's all it's going to be for a while anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can catch out, catch out, catch out. Yeah, you can catch us out of my horrible wording. You can catch us on our own socials. You can catch Josh Jones on at Joshua XJ3, JX3, JX3. Yeah, it's Joshua J- yeah. JX3. Yeah, broken heart. Uh-huh. Um, you can catch me on at who underscore tin. You're private, aren't you? I'm private, but if you really want to talk to me, just go on to the um, to the O N W B W Pod one, and I'll be there. Yes. Um, obviously, it's great to see you around. Uh, but as we get to the end of every episode, we have to drop the clues for next week episode. Oh um, no, I'm going to be truly terrible at this. You are going to be truly terrible at this, but don't worry. There's a whole jingle to get all your clues sorted. Banging. Well, I've not actually given you that time, so best of luck trying to work out what it is. Do you, do you even know what next week's one's on? Don't say it out loud, but do you know who it's on? Uh, no. <laughs> ah.
that's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Right. It's going to be a big episode. Oh, I know. Immediately. immediately. You know immediately? I know oh. immediately. Good. You're Th- just trying to toy with me, that's all. Yeah, thanks for that. To thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was... I'm really, I'm really, um, no, that one doesn't work, but don't worry. <laughs> I was going to say I'm really buzzing about it, but. No, not really. Uh, no, not. No. It's related. Don't sully our podcast with that <laughs> terrible, terrible pun. Um, oh, I, I think there's enough in there really for you to get. It's, it's not too hard. This one's quite a simple no, one. No, I, I mean, I got it off the first one, so if you don't, well, you know, <laughs> that's on you. That, that is on you. I mean, the problem is you are around us, so you do know what we're saying. Um, can I give one more before it goes? I feel I, like you could. I... I can't think of another one that I can do this, that works. So we'll just leave it there. Yeah. We've left you with a few things. I apologise, I'm not good at clues or thinking on the spot. No, and normally I give myself a little bit more time, but that's what it is. So, um, as always, thank you for listening. Um, I've been Josh. I've been Karis. You've not been Josh. And as always, we're Josh. Thanks. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. You say bye? No? Um, what a selfish, bye. horrible person. Bye. <laughs>